whatever cultural faux pas they are committing, it's happening before my very eyes. You know, three girls and two boys are in some sort of patterned bathrobes trying to do some geisha girls dance while the other kids play the recorder. Hey, you know. My daddy may now make an announcement. Uh, you know, hey, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Uh, whatever. Hey, uh, this is the Bitterest Pill. Welcome uh, to the, you know, uh, hi, under the fly path. Here we are in the garage once again. Once again, in the garage under the fly path, uh, I, I am recording. My name is Dan Class. I'm a stay-at-home dad. Former, failed actor, former actor, currently, uh, actually, I did have an audition last week. I sworn to secrecy. I cannot tell you anything about it. I will say that I, you know, I love it when I go to an audition and I have to sign legal documents. Basically, you go into an audition. This is for commercials now. My name is Dan Class. Did I, did I finish the intro? Are we launching right into this? Dan Class, Bitter's Pill, Flypath, Dad. Okay, we're done. Um. Yeah, you basically, when you audition for a commercial, you show up and you have uh, you fill out a, what's called a size card, which uh, you to put your name, name of your agent, their phone number, your phone number, uh, you, you know, your suit size, shoe size, shoe size, she, she sells seashells on the seashore, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like um, your vitals, basically, your dress size, your bra size. And that's it. And then, then you give them a headshot. Sometimes they take a Polaroid. Sometimes they only want the Polaroid and they don't want the headshot. Sometimes they want the headshot and they don't want the Polaroid. It doesn't matter. The point is you go and you fill out a size card and some there's some sort of photographic evidence of your having been there. And then and that's it. And a script. Either a script or sometimes just a description of the wacky, wacky thing you're going to have to do for the commercial. Uh, and that's it. But there's this one particular company, and I won't even say who it is. Who insists, because their commercials are, are so uh, noteworthy, they make you sign legal documents that you cannot disclose, discuss in any way the content of the commercial. You know, honestly, I didn't read the thing because I need to uh, be cast in their commercial far more than I need to squabble over their legalese. So it's either you sign or you don't sign it. So I signed it, but it probably said... You know, you can't say who's in the commercial, what happens, what they say, what they do. Uh, you may not even be able to say that you were in the commercial audition for that company. I have no idea. That's why I'm not telling you. Okay? A few people know. It's not a huge, you know, but anyway. So maybe I'm not, I'm not a former actor. I'm a failed actor because, uh, uh, you know, I haven't done a commercial in a while. And that used to be the, uh, for a short time, that was the bread and, and a little bit of the butter. And, uh, yeah, we, when they say that ad revenues are going to online, they're not kidding. There's no, there's no, uh, you know, question in my mind that that's what's happening. So that's really not the most important thing. And it's not even why I started recording the show when I did. Basically, 
as I record this, it's a Tuesday. It's 11.25 a.m. here in Los Angeles. I cannot find our checks. Now, we're not out of checks. We were out of checks. Basically, I want to go over with you briefly my check writing, bill, bill writing, what our process is. So you can compare it to your family and uh, decide for yourself just how immature we are here. Basically, I'm going to get a sip of tea. Basically, what happens is bills come in uh, and then they, they uh, form a, a large stack on the dining room table. Now, when that stack gets to about six inches, my wife over breakfast will go, quote unquote, go through them. And what that means is she will look at them. Oftentimes, she will open up the envelope it depends. If it's a weekend, she'll open up the envelope, she'll look at it, she'll put the envelopes in a pile, and then the bill part in a pile, and then the rest of the bill in a pile. So you've got the garbage to be filed and then to be written against and uh, mailed away. So that happens. But then all of the stuff that's not being pile, uh, filed and all the stuff that's not being thrown away, that then becomes another pile, a sec pile two. Okay. Now, when pile two gets to about six inches or so on the dining room table, now this is a functional dining room table that we eat at all the time. Basically, I eat dinner every night, and it's my own doing, next to a six-inch pile of bills. So when, the, when pile two becomes six inches or so, my wife will go through them again. And what that means is she looks at them, looks at the due dates, and then depending on how soon the due date is, she'll give me the appropriate dirty look. See, it's my, it's my job to, to pay the bills. It's, she goes through them. She looks at them. She discerns them. She uh, manages them, critiques them. But really, as far as paying the bills, her job ends at the dirty look. And it's for me to actually get the pen and the checkbook and write the words. She makes it. I spend it. She's input. I'm output. Okay? Okay. So, what happens is, I eventually, when the when when one and two have both reached six inches, we don't actually create. And this is where I start to pat myself on the back. We don't actually create pile three. Pile two then is addressed, and and so I sit down with the checkbook and I write out the checks. And if I have any question about one of the bills. I have nothing to refer to because when we were making pile two into pile or pile one into pile two, the parts that get filed got filed. And those are the parts with all the information. So if I have a question, da, 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 okay. But anyway, so basically what I usually do is I write out all the checks to all the bills in the amount that it says on the bill, no matter what it says. And then I let my wife give me a hard time about it later when it turns out that I overpaid something because the bills crossed in the mail. I paid one so late that that says it's late. And even though it's not late because it's really been paid, but it hasn't been paid, has it? Well, yes, it actually has. But then you double paid it, Dan, didn't you? Yes, I did. But I cannot spend my life or really uh, an hour a month paying bills. I'm not interested. I really... Still kind of a 16-year-old. I don't want to be bothered. Okay? Fine. Well, yesterday, no. Yeah, it must have been yesterday. 
Yesterday was the day that I had to pay Princess Tyreed's preschool. And so I got out the checkbook and then I realized, well, you know, I've got the checkbook here. I've got a pen. I got a very, it's a very nice pen that my wife gave to me that she got somewhere for free, of course. She gets it for free. It's got a BMW logo. It's the closest thing I'm ever going to own to a BMW. So I figure I'll take the pen. So I take my classy BMW pen and I decide I'm going to sit down with pile two and I'm going to write a bunch of checks out. So I write them and I write them and I write them and I write them and I get all down and I'm actually done. And it turns out if I write out all the bills and mess one up, one check up, right, write all those checks plus the void check that the one where I wrote the wrong figure, I'm now out of checks in that book. But I just bought two boxes. Two boxes of books. Two boxes of books. Now, how do I know that? Because another part of my normal routine is I just write checks. Now, listen, if I write a check and then the next thing is a check, then I write that. If the next thing is a you better order your checks now slip, I tear that out. I put it in the garbage and I keep writing checks. And I write checks and I write checks and I write checks until those are all done. Then I search the house for the next checkbook. There isn't one. Why? Because I was supposed to reorder 17 checks ago. I go into a panic because now I have no way to pay anybody. I call the company. I overpay to have them sent in a rush. And then there we go. So that happened a couple of weeks ago. I overpaid. They sent them over. Here they are, Mr. Class. Thank you very much. Here's your checks. Two boxes full. Now, this is where the story gets a little murky. Uh, so, I, I, the, the checks come. I take them out. I take out the first book in the box. I got two boxes full of books. I take out one book. Put the top on the box. I got now two boxes minus a book and a book. I put the book in the sleeve. I take the boxes. And you know what? I, I have absolutely no idea where I put them. I got nothing. I got I, I got so much nothing. I have no stinking idea where these checks are. Now, normally I put them in the bottom drawer of our filing cabinet, but it's so full of 10 years worth of paperwork and 16 other boxes of canceled and uh, pre-written check carbon book things. There's no room. So I have no idea what I did. I have no idea. I have searched the house for times I have searched the house four times I have not found the checks and guess what when I wrote out all the checks and it all was the perfect amount of checks except for the one that I miswrote and I voided out well guess what I never left one for the preschool which is how the whole debacle started the whole debacle started with me knowing that I had to pay the preschool and guess who's not getting paid that's right the preschool I searched yesterday, I searched today, I searched last night. So I go to the director of the preschool and I say, Miss Julie, because they're all Miss, everybody's Miss in a preschool, Miss Julie, Miss Julie, <laughs> do you accept any other form of payment other than check? Because I cannot find... I cannot find. 
And Miss Julie says, well, of course, Mr. Class, we accept cash. So I make a deal with her. I say, well, tell you what. I bet if I, because I can't find the checks, Miss Julie. Okay. I've searched the house, Miss Julie. I can't find the checks. But I bet as long as I'm painstakingly searching the house for checks to write you a check, I'm never going to find them. But I bet if I come in here, Miss Julie, and I pay you in some other way, I bet I'll go home and find those checks. They're probably sitting right in the middle of the dining room table, probably right next to my tea glass. So I'm going to leave now. I'm, le- I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave right now. I am going to go to the bank. I'm going to get $650 in cold American cash. And I'm going to give it to Miss Julie. And then I, I, I hope to Hades I find those checks because I can't, I cannot search the house again. I cannot do it. It's too dusty. It takes too much time. It's just a constant reminder of all the things that we've never put away. Stacks and stacks of school projects and coloring projects, reading projects, doodle projects. Every scrap of paper my son has ever written on in school. Every scrap of paper his school has ever sent home. Oh, yes. Reams and reams of paper. Hey, join the new ecology club. Save the world. Reams and reams and reams and reams. Reams and reams of paper (laughs) spent to tell me that tomorrow is no waste day. Hey, save the earth. Tomorrow's going to be no waste day. So we thought we would send this notice to you on an eight and a half by 11 piece of non-recycled paper. (sighs) I need those checks. There's this uh, guy. There's this guy, and you know, he and his wife take their kid to, uh, you know, uh, a school. One of the schools we go to. You know what I'm saying? And he's always dressed the same way every time I see him. And and it's raised a question. Now I know that I have some listeners of this uh, debacle that are in the medical industry, the medical field, doctors. I'm telling you, doctors listen to this. Pablum. Not sure why. Maybe Dr. Rob uh, can help me out with this. Let's break something down here for me. Are you so busy as a doctor? Your time's so limited that for you to take time away from the hospital, you don't have time to change out of your scrubs? Ever? You got to walk around the property of the school in your scrubs every time, every time. I've never seen this guy in civilian clothing, always in the scrubs. Listen, we know you're a doctor, okay? It has been established that you are a doctor. You own purple scrubs. Yes, fine. Yes. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Listen, doc, I'm sure you're busy. Those things... You know, they're not on there with a padlock. It's a drawstring. I've got scrub. I mean, you know, I've got scrubs in my house. 
You tie it like you tie a pair of shoes. You just pull the string and they fall down. You can't slip on a pair of slacks and a polo every 10 times you go. Now, listen, I know you're proud of being a doctor. Clearly, you're young, you're fit. You got a young, fit wife. You're all young, you're fit. That's fine. Listen, you want to be, hey, you want to shove the fact that you're every time? Seriously, get yourself a polo. I'm going to start walking around. If I, you know, I'm going to start walking around the school with my uh, best audio blog, Winter 2007 Trophy. Now I'm just going to the big, uh, you know, the re big recorder recital, and here I am walking with my trophy around. And who knows? Maybe he's not a doctor. Maybe he's just an, you know, well dressed orderly. Is that possible? Because what, like, what, what part of the hospital do you work in where you can have perfectly beautiful scrubs they've been pressed you look like you just put them on why couldn't you put on the slacks perfectly pressed they look like they've never been worn there's nothing on them you know there's no blood saliva there's no samples of any kind i don't i don't get it next time i see that surgeon you know the surgeon that was uh telling us all about the uh uh, retained foreign objects. I gotta. I'm gonna ask him. What's the story with wearing your scrubs around? You you really can't change. And how is it that you have scrubs but not a lab? So you can take off the lab coat. Oh, that'd be too much if I wore the lab coat, honey. <laughs> you know, I don't want anyone to think I'm just trying to show off. I can't. How can I possibly wear the lab coat to the school recital? That'd be silly. I don't know what's. I don't. You know. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, a, you know, there's some culture thing going on that I don't know anything about. Some medical guy culture. Who knows? Listen, all I know from medicine, I learned from scrubs. And I, and I don't mean the apparel. So there was the recital. There was, well, here's this. See, Hudson, you know, has been gearing up for this recital. A recorder recital. The recorder, the long, thin, several-hold, uh, fairly basic wind instrument. Readless wind instrument. And so, he's been, you know, for several weeks now, uh, learning some Japanese... Did I tell you this yet? A Japanese song, a blues song, and uh, Eight Days a Week by the Beatles. And, uh, you know, I'm... You know, I, I don't like going to these things for the most part anyway, because I'm tired. I'm overworked. I need to lie down. I need to eat. I need to eat lying down. I need to sit up and relax and slouch. You know, I, I mean, I got a lot on my plate. You know, I got to do a recording about whether or not this guy should wear his scrubs to school. I, I really don't have time to stand around watching, uh, you know, 48 nine-year-olds butcher the Beatles. Even if it is an older song. You know, maybe one of the psychedelic songs, but you know, we kind of swing with that, but you know. And also on these things, you know, what I see, Princess Tirade School is in one direction and Hudson's is in the other. So I basically have to drive, you know, from home to Princess T's school, which is a good half hour away. And then back, there's an hour. And then I hit traffic 
it hit the immense traffic from here, essentially. So I basically just come home and then pass the house and then get to his school. Now, we're in this weird uh, geographic situation. I've told you this. You know, there's a hill here, there's a hill there, there's a freeway, there's a road construction on this street and that street. So basically, you just, you get to a certain point, you can't get to the damn school. So, I finally, you know, I, I'm sitting and sitting and sitting in traffic. You know, there's always got to be salt. Like, I, like I want to go to a recorder recital and now I'm sitting in traffic. And I'm so in my own thing. I'm not, you know, you don't appreciate that you're sitting in traffic, but it's at the beach at least. You know, it's in Playa del Rey. So there's, you know, the beachy restaurants and some beachy girls running and some beachy breeze and beachy waves, beachy sounds. You know, if you just shush up and roll down the window and just chill out, you might actually hear the nice soothing sea, the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, largest water mass in the, you know, in the earth. But I don't hear the breeze. I don't smell the breeze. I don't hear the ocean, seagulls, women jogging by, dudes wandering the streets. All I hear is that angry little voice in my head which says, Go! Hurry up! Hurry up! I gotta get to the school! And listen to the recorder playing! Right now! I finally do get there. Luckily, they had, they had actually, there's nowhere to park. Why, you know, why they opened up the school in an area where there's pretty much no, for some strange reason, well, I think I maybe figured out. See, there's no parking anywhere near the school. There's this whole street where you're not allowed to park on either side. I assume that it's that way because the business owners don't want the truckers dropping stuff off at Home Depot to just park there. So in an effort to control Home Depot, you know, I, I got nowhere to park. So where do I park? Well, you know, Home Depot. It's the only place where there's parking. There's no parking. You're not allowed to park on the street. So I go in and I'm late because I had to go, you know, here, there and everywhere first. And I'm just kind of standing in the back and I don't know where Melissa is, but I do see H and he's, they're just finishing up the Chinese, Japanese, Asian, whatever this song Whatever cultural faux pas they are committing, it's happening before my very eyes. You know, three girls and two boys are in some sort of patterned bathrobes trying to do some geisha girls dance while the other kids play the recorder. You know, it's very multicultural. So then I finally catch my wife's eye. She's up in the front. Very front row, for some reason. For some reason, she's in the front row, and she's waving to me to come to her. No, 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 no. No, honey, no, I give her the shake. No, I'm not going and sitting. I haven't sat in the front row since ever. Maybe I did it in kindergarten, I just don't remember, but trust me, baby, I'm not a front row guy. You know me, right? Been married 15 years. When, when have you seen me in the front row? So she's waving me. I'm like, you got to come here because I got to leave. You got to take the video. No, I'm not taking the video camera up there. You bring the video camera back here. I'm standing in the back where I can 
stand, walk around, move, crack my back, relax, not worry about being in the front row. And then they start doing eight days a week. The, you know, the music teacher kind of intros it by saying, you know, here's a song you probably know. And if you know, you know, the kids are going to play it and then they're going to sing it. And if you know the words, then just sing along. So the kids all start playing. They're all playing eight days a week. All 48 of them. In perfect timing. Their little fingers fluttering up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down on the recorder. All together. In perfect unison. And then they start singing. Ooh, I need your love, babe. Yes, you know it's true. Don't you need my love, babe, just like I need you? Eight days a week. I love, I love you. Eight days a week is not enough to show how much I care. However it goes. And I could feel a grip tighten around my throat. Tighter and tighter the more they sang. My eyes started to well up and I realized I had better stop paying attention right away or I am going to start to bawl like a little baby right here in the multi-purpose room think of something else think of something else think of something else thank the Lord God Almighty Buddha Allah Darwin Krishna that I didn't move up to the front row People could have seen me fighting back the heaving of my throat. Oh, 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 they're so cute. And they need eight days a week to show how much they love me. Nate just looked so relaxed. He was having so much fun. He knew the song so well. But I can't cry. I'm a man. I'm a man. Just because I'm not in scrubs doesn't mean I'm not a man. All right, maybe I'm not a man. Maybe I'm an old boy. But still, the point is I can't cry. I can't stand there and cry in the multi-purpose room. I can't do it. I got I to gotta look around the room and start making fun of something in my brain quickly, quickly, or we're really going to lose control here. Then they started singing Love Me Do. Love, love me do. You know I love you. I'll always be true. Please, ye, 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 ye. Love me do. 
could I not? The kids recently started studying karate. Now, I think I've mentioned this before. Years ago, in high school, I, I take martial arts, I admit it. On the day that I got really desperate for money and less clutter, I took all my DVDs out of the big uh, closet that no one can get to behind the TV. I took them all out and I took them all to Blockbuster and I traded them all in. All except for Kill Bill Part 1, Kill Bill Part 2, Enter the Dragon, Flying, Crouching Dragon Tigers, uh, and I think a Jackie Chan. Because nobody plays with my martial arts movies. So... You know, I studied a little karate in high school, you know, for about a year, maybe a year and a half. I don't know, whatever. My, my, one of my buddies, Harpo, uh, his brother had a school. If you, if you live in Rochester and you want to study martial arts, go to the Harp. Just do, I'm going to give him a plug right now. The Harp Karate Academy. It's probably, I think right now it's karate and jujitsu. Karate, punching people, jujitsu, you know, knocking people down or something. But we'll get to that, trust me. And then, uh, you know, then a couple years ago, I studied a little Kung Fu. Because I did start to realize that, you know, uh, every single movie that I like, uh, martial arts movie, you know, they're all doing Kung Fu. They're not doing karate. They're not doing a Taekwondo. They're doing Kung Fu or some branch of Kung Fu like Jeet Kune Do or Hunga. You know, they're doing some Kung Fu thing. So I was Kung Fu fighting. Uh, well, no, this was actually about uh, 10 years ago, let's say. Wow, that's a scary statement to make. So let's say about 10 years ago, then I started studying Hungar Kung Fu with Master uh, Buck Sam Kong. Buck Sam Kong, is that right? Yeah. Now, Buck Sam Kong, he's from, you know, he's, he's old school, brother. He was good. He was good. So I studied with him for about a year. Really, what I like to do is I like to study uh, martial art for about a year until I start to actually get into some sort of physical condition and then quit. Because I fear that if I become in shape, uh, somehow I will, uh, you know, be a man or something. And God forbid I should feel good and be healthy, be able to stand up or sit up straight, anything like that. That's really, uh, you know, not part of my MO. So I really like to get right up to that point where I'm starting to feel like a, you know, guy and then uh, something comes up. Now, in this case, the something that came up was Hudson. Hudson was born, and suddenly now I didn't have Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, you know, from 10 to noon to punch and kick and do forms and sweat, okay? I had to burp, feed, burp, wipe, burp, feed, change, whatever, 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 all day long ad infinitum for nine years. So about six years into that, uh, then I went back, I started studying some hunger again, and then I started writing the, that silly uh, podcasting book. So here I am back again, uh, you know, an, an utter shell of a man, simultaneously, incongruously uh, synchronized with the fact that Hudson is now old enough to learn martial arts. I tried to get him into it before he was too young. He didn't dig it. It was too loud. There's too much sweating and too much yelling, not digging the yelling. But now 
He's into it. Now that he's a good two, three years behind his friends, he, he's all on board. So, uh, th- basically, so we had done a little investigating a couple years ago. Now, there's a Taekwondo place, two Taekwondo places that, that come very highly recommended, very close by, in the next town over uh, of Culver City. And uh, we checked, I checked out one of them with H, you know, a couple years ago, whenever that was. My wife went and checked out the other one with Hudson in it, but it was just, you know, too much yelling and sweating and, and uh, yelling and yelling. He was not digging that at all. H does not like loud voices, unless it's his own. His own, for some reason, he can yell, scream, you know, but loud like, ugh, and all that, no thank you. Well, now apparently that's not a big deal. So... My wife called one of these two Taekwondo places and said, hey, you know, we're uh, investigating again. We'd like to come down. And they say, sure, fine. When can you be here? Let's make an appointment right now. I mean, they're, you know. <laughs> now, now I got to be upfront with something. Um, when I was growing up in Rochester, New York, and I was studying at the Harp Karate Academy. Karate guys, you always have to kind of have a rival. You got to have someone to not be. Now, my high school, Fairport High School, we did not want to be East Rochester, right? That was our rival. For the little brown jug, you'd play a big football game, and somebody, whoever won, got the little brown jug, and that was either us or East Rochester, E-R. So guys from Fairport don't want to be from East Rochester, and guys who study karate don't want to be guys that study taekwondo. Now, I'm sure it's probably completely random, Coke and Pepsi, whatever, uh, but karate guys in Rochester in the uh, early 80s did not want to be taekwondo guys of the early 80s in Rochester. Ironically, we were Fairport guys studying karate in East Rochester, but that's, right, that's not actually what the point I'm making. The point I am making is I may have a slight bias against taekwondo based solely uh, and utterly in nothing, okay? But the, the taekwondo people that we, we were on the phone with that Melissa talked to uh, we're kind of uh, aggressive. Now, uh, the one of the reasons I've never belonged to a health club is one day my roommate and I went to check out a health club, uh, you know, find out about membership and what, what we could do there. And they locked us in a room and pretty much browbeat us for an hour until we escaped. So anyone that comes at me with that kind of aggressive, like, you got to start giving me your money, you know, uh, n- no, thank you. It's not uh, basically I like the kind of Zen part of martial arts. Not an aggressive part of martial arts, right? I like the kind of mellow, wax on, wax off, Mr. Miyagi thing. I don't, you know, I don't want to be the school that Mr. Miyagi hates. I want to be with Mr. Miyagi, right? Okay. So my wife, you know, she gets a slight feeling of like, you know, pushiness, maybe a little bit, whatever, on the phone. But then we remember that there's this new karate school that's only a couple blocks from here. So I go check it out. It's a tiny little place. It just opened up. It had been somewhere else and then it moved or whatever. And, you know, it's a Japanese guy and he's a Zen. I mean, he's a big guy. He's a muscular, big, obviously like super karate master guy. But he's a Zen guy. He's a, he's a big, muscular, uh, you know, kind of tough sounding Mr. Miyagi. So, and my daughter's into it too. 
Princess T is all into the karate. She wants to learn karate. First, she wanted to learn taekwondo because she preferred saying taekwondo. But then we convinced her that she should go check out karate. So instead of going to the taekwondo place where my wife had made the appointment, we went to karate. Okay, so far, so good. And the kids ran around and they slapped this and they kicked that and they ran around and they did it and they want a gi and a belt and they want to sign up and they want to do it and they want to do it right now. So they're thrilled. Now, it wasn't, uh, you know, the big, tough Japanese guy that taught the class. It was a dad who happens to be a black belt. But they had a ball. And I'm pretty and I'm thinking, you know what, if they get into this, bless them, go for it. Maybe I'll even sign up, do a little wax on, wax off, kick my butt back almost into shape before I quit. I got to go through that cycle again, right? So we've really had martial arts on the brain. Now, so then last night or the night before, the phone rings. Now, no one calls the house. I'm pretty sure it was a call to the house. No one calls the house, so I never pick up the house phone. My wife picked up the phone, and it was the guy who owns the Taekwondo school. And his first words to my wife are, hello, this is such and such from Taekwondo. You don't return your calls. Now, my wife is five, uh, four, five, whatever she is. You know, a little Italian girl from New York. She's okay. She's a little Italian girl from New York. <laughs> okay. Little, you know, you're calling her a little respect, something. Okay. Well, apparently Taekwondo guy was very upset because he felt that we had made an appointment that we did not keep or officially cancel, which is true. Hey, listen, I understand, you know, but we're back to my th thing about uh, being in a service industry. Basically, when you're teaching adults, that's one thing. When you're teaching children and you're dealing with parents and children, you're in a service industry. And you're kind of coming at me aggressively because you want my money. That doesn't work for me. You have to come at me slowly if you want my money. If you come at me faster, then I'm not giving you my money. It's not happening. So he starts giving uh, my wife what she would later refer to as a ration. You know what I mean by a ration? A ration of poo-poo, feces, a big old bucket of uh, dung. Well, we had you down for an appointment. You were supposed to come and check out the school and pretty much sign up and give me your money. I mean, it was a real, like, give me, you know, I mean, that is the underlying thing. Now, meanwhile, a couple days ago, when we're, we're down at Mr. Miyagi's uh, Japanese karate, Mr. Miyagi guy, who's not Mr. I mean, he's a big, tough Japanese guy. Let's not, I don't want to paint the wrong picture. This is not, uh, you know, Arnold from Happy Days. This guy's like, you know, <laughs> he's a big, broad, solid man. He's a big, broad, solid man that says to us, you know, he, he, his English isn't that great, but he's got a release form that he wants us to sign. And in his uh, English, he says, uh, I, I need you to sign a release. Uh, in uh, Japan, uh, no, sir. America. And he kind of rubs his fingers together to make the money, you know, the international symbol of money. He goes, in America, rub, rub, rub. Uh, everything business. Uh, Japan, uh, not about money. Everybody learn uh, karate. All right, that's why I want to be with big, broad, badass Japan uh, a karate guy. Because he's, he's coming around and saying, listen, in Japan, we don't sue. In America, you sue. Everything's about money. 
This isn't about money, but, you know, I'm in America. I got to have you sign this thing. But listen, I, I want to teach kids karate. That's what I do. I'm a, I'm a super duper a grandmaster, whatever I am, 18,000th degree black belt. I'm not here to, you know. So when we get this call, my wife is like, but she, she was cool. So she said, well, actually, yes, that's true. We did have an appointment. So sorry we didn't uh, get back to you on that. But we found a place that we liked quite a bit, actually, and we're very happy. Thank you. Well, this, I guess, starts to get him a little flustered because Taekwondo guy doesn't really need, he doesn't really need to hear this. Uh, apparently, he's under the impression that uh, there's only one martial arts place in all of Los Angeles. There's, there's probably more uh, martial arts places in Los Angeles than there are, uh, you know, coffee, teen, and bean leafery, right? Oh, really? Well, what's the name of the place? Now, m my wife, Melissa, she can't remember the name of the place. The name of the place is in Japanese. I don't know what the name of the place is, to tell you the truth. I know where it is. We could walk there. I, I don't know the name. So she says, oh, I don't know the name, but he, and she kind of gives the guy the coordinates and he goes, oh, that's, is that run by a woman? No, you don't, you know, dude, you don't know what she's talking about. Just, you're, you're not, you're not saving face here, brother. You're kind of just, you know. Well, because he kind of called on the offensive and because he was kind of pretty sure that he was going to shame her and then we were going to go down there and check it out and then he could and get us to sign up. He didn't really know where to take the conversation because there, how do you, how do, okay, how do I, hmm, okay, how do I strong arm this uh, broad when she's not going to come down and sign up? Okay, well, uh, and it just kind of, you know, blah, 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 peters out. But he was clearly kind of, uh, you know, testy. Wax on. Wax off. So, in keeping with the weird kind of martial arts vein, completely kind of randomly, I was looking through, uh, you know, I like to watch uh, movie trailers, you know, on the internet. And I'm checking out this trailer and that trailer, and uh, I see this one for this movie called Red Belt. And the poster is a guy in a karate uniform and a gi lying down, maybe he's even dead. It's called Red Belt, I assume this guy's dead. With this, uh, you know, this other dude kind of standing over him like, oh my gosh, I think I just killed the guy with my mighty blow. So I check out the movie. I, I watch the trailer. It looks awesome. It's David Mamet. Now, I don't know. Do you know Mamet? Do you know Mamet? Do you? Do you? Do you, do you know Mamet? Do you know? Do you know Mamet? Do you? Well, I'm, I, I'm kind of lukewarm. I either really don't dig the Mamet or I love the Mamet. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of the like, nah, oh, okay. This looks like one of those like mammet, mammet. I guess he got he got uh, involved with these Brazilian jujitsu guys and studied with them. Now you know the ju like there's mixed martial arts. I think it was born out of the Gracie kind of Brazilian jujitsu. Basically, what they did is they took the Zen Japanese jujitsu, very defensive, graceful art, and turned it into a killing art, the art of killing men. And I say that, by, by the way, with uh, all due respect. Well, apparently Mamet, uh, you know, got together with these uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys, these little fighting machines, you know, like the really the toughest, baddest, m m you know, mother uh, flippers in, in the land. And studied with them and wrote this movie, and it looks very cool, Mamet. Like Intrigue Mamet, Twist Mamet, uh, Whodunit, uh, Caper, uh, you know, Mamet.
So I'm digging it, man. This is like a martial arts movie that's also a mammoth, you know, mammoth, mammoth, you know, you know, mammoth, you know, movie. So, Lance, you know, like Lance Anderson, he, he's he's all into this mixed martial arts guy right now. You know my friend Lance from uh, Verge of the French, right? And he's been talking about mixed martial arts and it was just like this weird sort of convergence. So I start poking around the movie website and, uh, you know, they got a list, a couple of the guys that were technical advisors, basically, you know, guys they bring in that are experts in the field. So they brought in, uh, you know, these two Brazilian jujitsu experts, two bad mother flippers. And, you know, they, they kept it real. They keep the movie real, okay? So I'm checking out the website of this one guy. I can't think of his name right now. But a bad, you know, really. And they're interviewing him on the set, and he's got his shades on, and, you know, he's, he's built, and he's kind of serious, and talking about growing up in Brazil and learning, you know, jujitsu and... I see a clip of him on uh, this show and that movie and, uh, you know, whatever. And he's just looking like a badass, you know, really. Mm. So I think, you know, I wonder where this guy, because all these guys that must have schools. I mean, you don't become that well known to be a technical advisor, not have your own uh, Brazilian jujitsu kick your ass school. Right. So. um, So I go and I check on his website. It turns out this guy is based in Los Angeles. Now, like I say, in Los Angeles, there's a martial arts for every uh, coffee, tea, and bean uh, leafery, right? Well, his school is not near the coffee, tea, bean leafery, but it is nearby. It's nearby, uh, apparently in Culver City. It's nearby in Culver City and the the address looks incredibly familiar to me. He, he shares dojo space, gym space, space, shares school space, this badass Brazilian jiu-jitsu mixed martial arts, most dangerous guy in the, with the Taekwondo guy. The Taekwondo guy that, that that my wife is talking to, who who thought we were coming down there. The 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 mix okay. Honey, from now on, can, can you let me uh, answer the phone? If you're hearing the sound of my voice, uh, whether live on Ustream or as part of a uh, premium pill subscriber, I thank you. I thank the live people for supporting me and helping me get through this because apparently now now that I, every once in a while I, I simultaneously stream the recording of these shows, I, I get very lonely when I don't. And to uh, the uh, you know 10 or 12 people that are signed up to the premium pill, you know, thank you very much for showing your uh, patronage. Y- you know, that's that. Uh, 206-309-0, is it 130 is the new voicemail? Leave me a voicemail. Leave me a voicemail. Put it on the, you know, come on. I'll throw it on there. What, 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 what I'm too good to put you uh, on this uh, little, uh, you know, whatever it is. Okay, that's it. That's it for that. Uh, sensei Ray.
Hey, Dan. It's Jim Moon calling you, um, one of your listeners, one of your premium listeners, actually. Just wanted to give you a call. Let you know I just listened to uh, episode 129, Shoots and Ladders. Um, rocks, of course, as uh, all your podcasts do. I uh, just wanted to uh, give you a call and just to uh, tell you thanks, man. I really appreciate it, and keep up the great shows, okay? See ya. Hi, Dan. I got through. This is great. I just saw your uh, Twitter update on your um, on your phone line. I never call into anywhere. Why did I call into you? We called into you once before. This is Jason from The Half Show. Um, just testing out your line. I'm usually not on Twitter, so I figure I uh, respond to some of these Twitter things. I hate Twitter because no one ever responds to me. But I'm responding to you, so I hope you have yourself a lovely day. Bye now. The Bedrose Pill is produced by Jacket Media. JacketMedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.